1: All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I am your co-host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome, Scott. I'm really delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
1: So, before we begin our dialogue about living a heart centered life, let's start with a moment of meditation, a yoga moment. So, let's begin just by turning our attention within taking this moment out of our busy day to just be present here and now. And we can use our breath, a wonderful tool that's always with us, and it can help us bring our attention to the present. So let's just notice as we take a fully conscious inhale and exhale, just noticing the natural flow of the breathing, not trying to change it. We may notice cool air entering the nostrils as we breathe in and warm air flowing out. And let's feel that with each inhale, we can dive within. And with each exhale, we can relax. In this moment, As we dive within, we can open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, wherever we are, here and now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everything. It's between us, within us, and all around us. And just by being present and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being, As we rest here, we may notice thoughts or feelings as they arise. We realize we can just watch them. Watch them as they arise. And watch them as they pass away. Resting now deep within, within our hearts, our innermost essence. Resting here, we become aware of our essential nature beyond words, beyond thoughts, beyond all change. Pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from this essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Scott Stabil, welcome to The Yoga Hour. I'm really delighted that you could join me today on the show.
2: Thank you. I'm so mellow now. <laughs> I, I hope I'll be a good guest. <laughs>
0: that was beautiful.
1: Oh, thank you. <clears throat> so in your book, Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart, you describe yourself as a love spreader. <laughs> How did you come up with that description?
2: You know, it, it really comes from about probably 20 years ago now, somewhere between 15 and 20 years when a friend of mine asked me that dreaded question, what do you want to do with your life? And I, you know, I was struggling to come up with an answer that felt real. And what I ended up saying is I really just want to spread as much love as possible, you wow. know, and so that with that mission, I guess the title I gave myself was love spreader in that moment.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, that's great. <laughs> what a that, you know.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So, how did the description of you as a love spreader lead to writing your book?
2: Well, I mean, the book came to be in great part because I've I've uh, grown a Facebook started with the Facebook community about six or seven years ago, and that that page and community really started to grow. And I was sharing on there the themes that I most like to write and talk about, which are kindness, compassion, love, forgiveness, facing our fears, all that, all the stuff that I feel is most important. And it, you know, social media has been wonderful and Facebook's great. And I know that not everybody is on social media. And I, and also you don't want to write a chapter out in a Facebook post that tends to be too long for people. But many of the the subjects that I was talking about and many of the shorter posts on Facebook um, became what are now chapters in the book, Big Love. So it seemed like a natural transition to take some of of the work I was doing on social media and, and go in there deeper, you know, Mm -hmm. and expand upon it, which is what I did with big love.
1: Yeah. So in the introduction to your book, you list several actions that are examples about what you mean. And you've also just given, you know, several, Um, but I'm going to quote now, every time we act with kindness or acceptance, we spread love. Every time we choose compassion over condemnation, we spread love. Every time we find the courage to forgive, we spread love. You go on to say we do absolutely serve ourselves and our world through love. So can you say more about that? How do we serve ourselves and our world through love?
2: Well, look, I believe love is the most powerful thing we have. To work with on this planet, I believe it's the most powerful change agent we have and the only thing that ultimately creates healing. And so when I'm referring to love, I'm referring to the energy that is vibrating beyond all of the other noise of our minds in the outside world. And that energy for me is the base note for kindness, for compassion, for forgiveness, for authenticity, for all of the things that matter the most. And the thing I like to remind people, especially when you know, when we're feeling really hopeless but or paralyzed by the what's happening in the world, there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of division and all of that stuff that weighs on all of our hearts heavily. It's that if we can remember that we are all empowered to share ourselves through kindness, through compassion, through forgiveness, and that every time we do, we're not only serving ourselves, of course, because we know how it feels to be loving it's the most beautiful feeling to offer love but we can also trust that when we're doing so we're serving the people in our environment and the world on the whole because it's all just energy and in the same way that hateful energy creates toxicity everywhere loving energy creates something beautiful everywhere and so the more of us who are remembering that and this isn't this is on a micro level and a macro level like you can go out into your community and how are you showing up for the the clerk at the grocery store how are you showing up for the bank teller are you are you showing up in an open-hearted way you know what i mean in a way that that invites connection and, and, and sees the people that we're interacting with on a daily basis, that's powerful. That's how I believe we ultimately create change and where our real power lives. It's yeah. not going to be in solving uh, uh, the nuclear crisis between us and North Korea. That's not where we're going to make the difference right now. It's yeah. how are we showing up for ourselves and in our communities,
1: mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it just uh, strikes me. First of all, it's such a it's such a yoga message, you know, spreading love um, in that, you know, from a yoga perspective, from yoga philosophy perspective, um, there is only one, you know, And, and as I was talking about in the meditation, you know, we are all it, we are all parts of it, you know, and so. Um, It's like being true to our nature, you know, when we when we spread love and we see the person's essence. And it also strikes me that this is such an important message for today where there is such division and such such a tendency to label people who don't agree with ourselves as enemies somehow instead of just, you know, someone that we you know, we may not agree on every point with.
2: Absolutely. To connect to each other's humanity, you know, like really recognize that it's a human being, you know, and, and I, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, um, Yoga recognizes that, of course, different people have different temperaments, and so there's different approaches to yoga. So uh, classically, there's four different yoga paths that appeal to different types of people. Karma yoga, which is the path of selfless service. Jnana yoga, which is the path of wisdom or discernment. Raja yoga, the path of meditation technique. And bhakti yoga, yay, the path of love, which we're talking about today. So these paths are all reflections of the core yoga teaching that we were just talking about we are all one so yoga does recognize exactly what you're doing you may not you know have known that but it recognizes that love is a path you know seeing ourselves in whomever we meet seeing ourselves with a capital s our bigger self in whomever we meet so you describe your path as fully committing yourself to love yeah i like i really like that so fully Thank committing you. yourself to love so what do you what do you mean by this can you flesh that out a little bit for us
2: Sure. Um, you know, I think it's important to say, first and foremost, that I'm not always aligned with love. Like I fall off the love train plenty. You know, I, I don't pretend to be somebody who's always in that state. But by saying, but I am fully committed to it in that one I as quickly as possible, I try to take ownership of those moments when I'm acting out of alignment with love Two, I try to bring myself back as quickly as possible. And I'm always asking myself the question, what does love invite me to do in this moment? You know, how is love mm-hmm. asking me to respond to this moment? Especially I ask that question, especially when my instinct is to respond in a different way. You know, if someone's lashing out at you, we go naturally to this to a lash out in response. And it's like, well, wait a minute, if we just allow for, for a pause, for a breath, you know, for a moment to, instead of reacting, to actually consider how we can show up differently. And I found that when you ask yourself, you know, what is love inviting me to do in this moment? It completely shifts the energy. And sometimes for me, it doesn't take me out of my anger so much that I can, that I feel like I can communicate in a way that is going to be helpful, but it will, sh- it'll tell me just disengage. Like you don't need to participate in this right now because what you have to bring to it is not, is not going to help it. It's not going right. to serve love or serve healing in any way. So just disengage, you know, yeah. and that's a beautiful message. If that's what love is showing, you know, Right, right. and and being committed to love, it's for me, it just means The way we show commitment to anything, it's just registering that I see no more important path than the path of love. I see how it makes me feel. There's nothing that makes me feel better. It's not because I'm this selfless Buddha. It's that I see over and over and over again (laughs) that love feels good. We know this, which is why it's so outrageous when we're coming up with all these reasons to hate and to blame and all of this nonsense that steers us away from love, even though we all know intuitively and from experience that love is what feels best well, love mm-hmm. is what heals you know mm-hmm. so that's where my commitment lives and i just i work hard to move through my life honoring that commitment as often as possible
1: mm-hmm. yeah i uh, i really appreciated what you said about that pause you know yeah. i mean that is such an important thing that that Obviously in certain times can be really difficult to remember <laughs> that oh, pause. For sure, you know, for and sure. you get like totally, you know, <laughs> triggered into it. But it really does open it opens situations when you can have that pause. Absolutely. You know, that that pause.
2: And breath is so important in yoga. And that's really what the pause is, right? Mm-hmm. It's like allowing yourself to take a breath before you're reacting. Mm-hmm. And consider, mm-hmm. consider instead of react. You know?
1: Right, right, absolutely. So I really appreciated your discussion in the book of failure and success. Um, I'm going to quote again: Love invites me to see success differently as the fullest embodiment of kindness and compassion. I'm capable of expressing the degree to which I'm successful directly aligns with the degree to which I love myself and my fellow human beings. This definition of success fires me up and keeps me striving for more. And then another quote, when I smile at a stranger, I'm succeeding at kindness. Connecting with another's pain is success at compassion. All moments of forgiveness and authenticity and vulnerability reflect commitment to love and are therefore successes, too. So I just thought that's really beautiful. It's not what most people would think of when they would say, well, what's, you know, how do you define success? Yeah. So so let's talk about that. You know, can you say a little bit more about that? How you define success?
2: Sure. Well, I mean, that's comes from a chapter that's titled flop, which is focusing on uh uh, the fact that i wrote what is currently still the lowest grossing wide release movie in history so it's the biggest <laughs> flop of all time so
1: <laughs> congratulations
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you <laughs> which makes me the writer of the biggest flop of all time so that's wow. my title yeah and so i i got to face i got to i mean i've i've faced many different failures career failures in my life but that was certainly probably the biggest one and the most public one. And it, I mean, it, it had me, it had me looking at success and alt, and it had me looking at failure and how do we define these things? And it's, it's what you read. Ultimately, when I'm coming from my heart space, how I would look at success is really, how often am I operating from the energy of love? How kind am I being to people and to myself? How compassionate am I being? How available am I to the energies of forgiveness? You know, this for me is ultimately what matters way more than anything else, way more than how many tickets people buy to my movie or how many copies of my book people buy, 100%. And, you know, I wrote that in the book and then the book comes out and I see how my ego mind goes to like, oh no, I hope people buy big love and I hope, you know what I mean? It's like... (laughs) Because we still we still attach ourselves to these things. And it's, it's right. not it's not that I still don't go there in my mind. It's more that I recognize that the way my mind views things is 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 one way it tends to be the more superficial way of looking at success and failure. But when I allow myself to sink into my heart, I know the truth of what it means to be living a quote unquote successful life. And that's just am I how aligned am I with love? how kind am i to people how good am i being to myself you know how kind am i to myself when i'm waking up and looking in the mirror and going naturally to like you are too this and not enough this and you need to do this and do less of this you know what i mean like like for me that's and interestingly enough i think it's sometimes harder to find success in in that world because we're so hypercritical and self-abusive you know so actually showing up for ourselves in a way that is kind and compassionate takes a lot of work and in constant awareness you know so if i'm finding success in that world of my life i know that i'm going to be more peaceful
1: Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely and and you're right i do think that that is really you know it's really challenging to find um find for ourselves or to treat ourselves like you know if you think about um in a time that you're giving yourself a hard time about something, if you think about if a friend came to me and told me about that, you know, like what would I be saying to them? You know, I yes. would be helping them to frame it in the most positive way, you know, and instead we get on this train, you know, of, um, you know, just looking at our, at our own self-worth, which is, <laughs> yeah, not kind. Yeah. It's, it's not kind. Yeah,
2: I took a, I'll tell you quickly, I took this, um, Uh, integrative hypnosis workshop several years ago. It was a weekend workshop. I don't remember anything about it, which I think is hysterical, but (laughs) but except for this one thing that the teacher said, she said, give that inner critic a voice, an actual voice, and not just any voice, but give it a completely ridiculous voice. So for instance, my inner critic's voice is like, Scott, you're so stupid and ugly. And and it's like when that voice (laughs) is saying those things to you, it's really hard to take that voice seriously. Mm -hmm. It puts into perspective just how ridiculous it is. And it it shifts us out of that moment of self-abuse. And I think that's what we can always be doing for ourselves. Because Often our thoughts are happening before we have bring awareness to them. You know, we're beating up on ourselves without even noticing it. But the moment we notice it, we can shift. The moment we notice it, we can off- offer ourselves love. We can offer ourselves affirming thoughts. We can shift that energy. And every time we do so, we are serving ourselves positively.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to believe also that the kinder we are to ourselves, the easier it is to be kinder to other people. You know, For sure. Yeah. I mean, if we're, you know, if we are really having difficulty with our own self, you know, then it's much easier, I think, to be critical to others.
2: That's one of my favorite quotes is from the Buddha. If you truly loved yourself, you could never hurt another. Mm. And that's really what I believe is. That's why I believe self-love is the beginning and end of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, the more you focus on it, the more love you have for yourself, the more you show up in that love for other people, no matter what.
1: Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So when I was preparing for the show, I did actually go on your Facebook page and, I'll you know, at the time, this was last week, so it's, I'm sure it's higher now, but it was 341,907 followers was what you had last week. <laughs> that is impressive. <laughs> I guess. I, yeah, I know <laughs> that you, you often share positive messages, you know, I, I mean, that's kind of what you've talked about. It's like, that's what, you know, the purpose of the site is, but... I'm also sure that like everyone else you have off days. So how do you how do you handle those off days and still stay dedicated to spreading love?
2: Well look, sometimes I handle my off days by stuffing my face with ice cream and binge watching Netflix, TV, you know, shows. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you know, like I'm not I'm not someone who I'm not someone who's always approaching my off days in this completely holistic way and and taking care of myself in the best way possible. Look, sometimes I think that ice cream and Netflix is a beautiful thing you can do for yourself. And I recognize the times when I'm doing it to not be present in what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think ultimately, always on off days and on good days, but particularly off ones, if we can be conscious of... Of taking care of ourselves in a way that might help us. I mean, first and foremost, I believe in feeling what we're feeling. I spent a lot of my adult life numbing and escaping and not just being present with my feelings. And I think that that's in part, in great part, why we see so much addiction in our country. It's that people don't want to feel the uncomfortable feelings. People don't want to sit in their grief in their sadness, in their rage in in whatever it is that's going on. So we're, we're turning to booze and drugs and shopping and binge watching all these things to unhealthy levels. And what I've learned for myself is that I can sit in my sadness. I can sit in my rage. I can let it in and, and only when I allow myself to be present with what's going on? <clears throat> is there a chance for those emotions to move through me? Because when we're running, when we're numbing, when we're escaping, we're giving all of our energy to that thing that we're trying to run from. Mm-hmm. And, and when we come on the other side of the escape, it's still there. Like we haven't, we haven't gotten anywhere. You know, right. I can, right. I can drink myself silly for a week to avoid feeling this heartbreak but when I come out of the drunken stupor that heartbreak is still there and I feel much worse Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know what I mean it's like Mm -hmm. we can't escape the things we're trying to run from so why not try to be present in them Mm -hmm. so so that is one thing I do when I'm feeling bad is I I I don't judge it the way I used to, you know, I'm like, this is what's happening. This is part of the human experience too. This is okay. And this too shall pass. That's really one of my favorite mantras, reminding myself that, that nothing lasts forever. Uh And then at the same time, I try to think, well, look, look, Scott, you know, that taking walks outside among the trees is for you probably the most healing thing you can do for yourself so why not put your jacket on and also go on a walk not to avoid what you're feeling but to invite some healing energy into the space as well Mm -hmm. and i think that when we start to pay attention to ourselves we we learn what works for us in terms of healing we learn the things that we can do for ourselves that help us move through the darker periods in our lives
1: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah. The, um, one of the, you know, key practices of, of uh, yoga is actually self-study. And you were just describing that. I mean, really, it's like we have these emotions. And as I was mentioning in the meditation, you know, we can realize that we aren't, you know, the emotions, because yes. if you are your emotions, it's like, well, which one? Yeah. <laughs> was, it the, yeah. was it the one like five minutes ago, or the one that I'm having <laughs> tomorrow, you know, so basically, we know we can't be our emotions, you know, I mean, yeah. if you if you think about it, and so um, feeling it, allowing, yourself to feel it allowing yourself to realize just what you said things change you know they absolutely change that's the guarantee yeah. and if you can just allow yourself to feel it and process it um, it does have a tendency of moving through you know it yeah. really it really Absolute. does so and with that we've come to the break you're listening to the yoga hour with special guest scott Stabil. scott is the author of the book big love the power of living with a wide open heart he is um Inspirational posts and videos are on social media, and you can find him at scottstabile.com or on Facebook at Frank Scott Stabile. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour. When we come back from the break, we'll be explore more about living a heart-centered life. We'll be right back.
0: Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
2: As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming... Please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you
1: for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The
2: Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in
1: 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what the Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much?
2: To find out more about Unity teachings,
1: visit unity.org. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with
0: even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Create a path to success and prosperity with Mae McCarthy and Abundance Incorporated every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central on unityonlineradio.org. A co-founder of seven successful companies, an angel investor, best-selling author, and international speaker, Mae will help
1: you each week with spiritual and practical tools you can use to create a life that you love with greater health, happiness, wealth, and freedom. Join the show live with your questions or listen later on demand
0: right here on unityonlineradio.org.
1: Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Your co-host and my guest today is Scott Stabile, who is a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, lives in Michigan and conducts personal empowerment workshops around the world. You can find him online at scottstabile.com and Stabile is S-T-A-B-I-L-E. So, Scott, in the first segment, we talked about love and you gave several examples of practices that build love. So let's turn our attention now to one of those practices, forgiveness. Um, You began the last chapter of your book with the story of the Amish schoolgirl shooting, talking about the level of compassion and forgiveness that the parents and the Amish community demonstrated after that event. So can you remind us about that story, about what happened?
2: Sure. It was I'm not sure what year it was, probably seven or eight years ago by now. But a man, um a man came into an Amish school and shot 10 young girls, killing five of them and, and critically injuring the five others. And it was a worldwide story, you know, that really like all like many mass shootings unfortunately we have many you know they rip at the hearts of everybody but what, what was so extraordinary about this circumstance was that the the Amish really demonstrated their belief in the power of forgiveness and so what the community did immediately they went and sat with the wife of the man who who shot and killed several of the Amish girls um, to comfort her, they set up a fund for the family of the man who killed the, the girls, who also killed himself. Um, they showed up at the funeral. Um, it, it was basically they understood that they their belief, they stayed true to what they believed. Ultimately, you know, they practiced what they preached and they were an example for everybody that we we so often attach ourselves to this idea that there are certain things in life that are unforgivable. And ultimately, I found from from the Amish and what they chose in this place is no, that's simply not true. I mean, I believe that anyway. I believe Mm -hmm. that forgiveness is one of the mandates of love. And so love says to forgive. Period. You know, so I and that not I say that and make it sound like it's very easy. You can just forgive. <laughs> I you know, I think we all know that that's not the I think it's the most difficult mandate of love. But I thought that the that Amish community was a really beautiful example of forgiveness and power and an incredible lesson for us all to see play out in real time. And I and I it just inspired me so much because I'm so moved by stories of forgiveness, because, again, it goes against this this ego idea that certain things are unforgivable and certain people are unforgivable. And I believe that we are all born divine, loving beings who are, you know, worthy of love and worthy of forgiveness, no matter what.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you, as you talk about in the book, you know, you've, (laughs) definitely had to deal forgive with forgiveness in a big way in your own life. So I know, you know, it started with your parents being murdered, you know, when you were a teenager, which is, yeah. I mean, I think you were what, 13 or Four, 14. 14. 14. Yeah. Um, so what was that journey like for you? I mean, what's amazing to me is you came out of the end wanting to be a love spreader when your friend yeah. asked you that, you know, so, yeah. so that's, that's a different kind of journey. So how, how did you move from grief and anger to forgiveness? You
2: know it it didn't happen right away I mean when my my parents they were murdered when I was 14 and at the time I wasn't thinking about forgiveness at all. Honestly, at the time, all I did and I didn't even do this consciously, but something in me knew to bury the experience. And I really locked it away and moved on with my life like a straight A student and went to a good college and once a year had a a big cry about my parents and then locked it away again. And it wasn't until my 20s when I moved after college to San Francisco, um, started to read some new age metaphysical books started to get more in touch with ideas around love and peace and enlightenment and i started to pay attention to how i felt when i would think about the man who killed my parents and it was it was with a dark rage you know it was with vengeful thoughts and wishing he was dead and and really paying attention to how that felt in my body as well and i think we all know what hatred feels like in our bodies if we even pay attention for 10 seconds it's awful it's toxic it's debilitating in our bodies and minds and i didn't know how i was going to i didn't know what i was going to do but i knew that i had to open myself up to the possibility of forgiveness if i wanted to move beyond this toxic feeling so what i did was i just started to to root myself in empathy And I don't even know that I understood that's what I was doing at the time, but I started to to look at this man beyond his action, look at him as more than the killer of my parents, and to consider what his life might have been like up until that point. And without knowing his story, I felt like I could confidently say, this is a human being who feels unseen and unloved and lost and confused and angry. And I could relate to all of that. It was like I know I, I could relate to feeling unloved and unseen and lost and confused and angry. And though I couldn't relate to actually killing somebody, I wished he was dead. Like I, I could relate to thinking horrible thoughts and wishing death upon people. and And what I came to understand is it's like this man and I are not that different. He did a horrible thing. Absolutely. You know, I don't condone what he did. But beyond that, he's another human being with real human pain. And once I started to connect to his humanity, it was like I would think about him and it was with love in my heart. Mm-hmm. It was like thinking about a brother, you know, another brother on this planet who's struggling and and did something awful mm-hmm. and and is still worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And And then I started to notice when I would think about him, it was like, I'm like, I've forgiven this man. I don't it, it, it and it for me Laurel it was like one of the biggest gifts of my life. Really, it was freedom because the yes. thing that, that that that's the thing about forgiveness for me, it's freedom. It untethers you to the past and to the experience that you've been holding on to in a way that feels toxic and enraging, it completely cuts the cord to that. And, and you can move through your life. And it isn't like, I don't believe that we forget. I certainly haven't forgotten that my parents were killed and forgotten that he's the person who killed them. I don't, I don't believe we forget the hardest things that we go through in our lives. It's not about that. I do believe that ultimately we can reflect on those things that we can't forget those greatest of pains or those greatest of circumstances in a way that that is is without the blame anymore
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yes I I actually, now that you've you've touched on, I think something really important. So I appreciated your description of the inverse relationship between blame and forgiveness. So you write, there is no place for blame in forgiveness and no path to forgiveness through blame. I think that's a really important point. No path to forgiveness through blame. If blame were the path, I suspect we'd all be master forgivers. Absolutely, huh?
2: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So how does blaming others for their past actions, you know, interfere with our ability to forgive? Talk a little bit more about that inverse relationship between blame and forgiveness.
2: Well, for me, the whole idea of blame lives in the past. Because if I'm Mm -hmm. still operating in a place of blame, I'm operating in what happened to me then. And I'm blaming the person for that. So if I were still blaming and the thing about blame is we're giving up our power. When we blame, if I'm blaming the man who killed my parents for my, lack of joy today, or whatever it is I'm struggling with today, if I'm putting that blame on the fact that I lost my parents in a horrifically tragic way, and blaming that man, I am giving him the power to my life in this present moment. And when we do that, we take it, we've given up, we've given up our any chance of creating a life of deeper joy and peace and meaning, because Mm -hmm. we have to understand that that, that ownership lives within us. No one else is responsible for my happiness, for my peace, for my joy. No one else. And mm-hmm. so, so when I understand that, I can't possibly blame someone else for my lack of joy. Mm-hmm. And, when I, and and how it interrupts forgiveness is because if you're blaming, you're not living in forgiveness. Like the fact that I've forgiven this man, I don't blame him for anything having to do with any part of my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? It's yes. Like I, it's, they're, they're completely incongruent. Like Mm -hmm. once you forgive it, you've released blame. And the thing is, when we attach ourselves to blame, we create no possible path to forgive a person because they live in opposite worlds. It's forgiveness is, is saying, I no longer blame you. I no longer hold you responsible for the life I'm living right now. I no longer hold you accountable to my joy or lack thereof. I release you from my experience. Mm-hmm. forgiveness, to be clear, isn't because people get tripped up on this. It's, it's in no way to condone what he did. You know, it's in, in any way, forgiveness, the person doesn't even have to know you've forgiven them. It has nothing to do with that with, and, them. And yeah. with them, not all ultimately and forgiveness. And, and you may forgive someone and feel like I really want to let them know that I've forgiven them. And you go to, you go to Bill and say, Hey, Bill, I've forgiven you. And Bill might be like, you've forgiven me. What do you need to forgive? You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is just going to anger you even more.
1: It's like, it, oh, really piss you off? Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> the point is, it's not about them. You know what I mean? Forgiveness yeah. is a choice that you can make that serves your healing. Mm-hmm. Period.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, you you talk about the importance of it, and obviously, you know, it's a process, and you couldn't have gotten there right away. You know, when this happened, you know, when you, this happened to you. And I think maybe there's the seed of the answer to this question that I'm going to ask you that you've already talked about, you know, in empathy. But how do we let go? How do we let go of that blame and anger and the other feelings that really get get in the way of forgiveness?
2: I think it's a couple of things. I mean, one, first and foremost, it is for me. Empathy is the path that has been my path, because Mm -hmm. when we take the time and when I speak about empathy, I'm just saying Take the time to put ourselves in the experience of another person, in the shoes of another person. Take the time to imagine what their life might have been like, to get them to the point of saying or doing that thing that has so hurt you or offended you or caused you harm. When we do that, it is so difficult to show up with hatred in your heart. You know, if you put yourself in another person's experience and really allow for their humanity, it completely shifts the way in which you approach them and the situation. So that for me has been the main path to forgiveness. With that, really working on my own self-love, really reminding myself of my own value, my own worth, that I am loved as I am. Because when I show up to any situation, any conversation, when I reflect on my path in any way knowing that I am worthy as I am, I am divine as I am. if you believe in God, I am a child of God as I am. if you don 't believe in God, I am a child of nature as I am. When you come into situations with that understanding, you are so much more available, I think, to forgiving and understanding other people,
0: mm-hmm. you know so that
2: coupled with empathy, which naturally empathy naturally brings compassion it's like it's a win 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 i think and and again it doesn't necessarily happen right away, and it also doesn't always you may forgive someone and really feel that you've forgiven them and a year might go by and you might be triggered by something that takes you into the rage and blame again. And you need to move through the process of empathy and compassion again and find your way back to forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's okay too. But I, I do believe, and this pisses people off sometimes when I say this too in my workshops, but I believe In forgiveness, period. I do not believe in making excuses not to forgive. So, and I also believe that's up for people to decide because some people will come back and say this person did this to me, and I'm not forgiving them. I'm like, okay, that's your choice. If you find that by not for, I've met people who have not forgiven people from their past, in the experience of meeting them, I felt very clearly that they were still being owned in some way by what they experienced in their path. You know what I mean? They were still living under the power of that person and what that person had done to them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if that's the reality, the only way out of that is to figure out a way to get to forgiveness, because again, that's what cuts the cord. That's how you find your freedom.
1: Right. That freedom that, that I think is, you know, is really the key of being able to, you know, move on to realize that that's what's there for you, that that is what's there for you and not be owned, like you just said, you know, about things that happened in the past.
2: Absolutely. I still will have moments where I will grieve about my parents. And this is 33 years later. But I don't, I don't have moments where I am lost in blame in, in, in lack of forgiveness for their, their killed, the man who killed them. That is not a part of my existence anymore. Okay. And it's so, and it hasn't been for, for decades now. And it's so freeing, you know, it's, it's just not something that's part of my life anymore. That toxic sensation.
1: Mm-hmm. You touched on this earlier, but I wanted to come back around to it. So how do you work with the belief that something is unforgivable? Right. I mean, if something someone believes that something is un, is unforgivable.
2: Well, if you believe it, then it will be. Mm-hmm. If you don't. It's like if you believe a mountain is unclimbable, you're not going to climb that mountain. If you believe something right. is unforgivable, you won't find your way to forgiveness. But conversely and beautifully. If you if you in your heart believe that anyone is worthy of forgiveness, you will find your way there, even if you can't imagine it in the moment. If someone hurts you, I can't just call forgiveness out of the sky right away. You know that I, I get there much faster than I've ever gotten there. But it's not like I'm just like I choose forgiveness and then it happens. <laughs> right. You know, it, these things these things take work. Right. Love, right. love takes work. It's mm-hmm. very easy to hate people. You know what I mean? You don't, it's very easy to rage at people. It's very easy to blame people. These things don't take a lot of effort. Love challenges us to go beyond. Mm-hmm. Love challenges us to look in the face of situations that most people would say, you know, screw you. I hate you. I'm not forgiving you. And to make a different choice. And the work, of course, is then in in empathy, in compassion, doing the work. Mm-hmm. So if, if somebody is choosing To view things as unforgivable. There's, there's not a lot of work I can do with them unless they're willing to see it as forgivable first and foremost. And then from there we can work, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. but I can't change people's minds. You know, like people have to find that willingness in themselves.
1: Yes. Yeah, No. absolutely. Yeah. You were talking about the work, you know, that it, that it takes, you know, to, to do this and that it doesn't just, it doesn't just happen. And that just reminded me of the other, you know, one of the other, you know, main processes of yoga. So I talked about self-study, you know, when we're really watching ourselves go through these things. And then the other is self-discipline, which is, you know, what you've said, like your intention is to be loving, right? And so, um, that's a discipline. That's a discipline to find that, you know, that, that path of love, that's a discipline. And what I think is really interesting about that is the Sanskrit word for that is tapas. And it has to do with burning, burning, Uh, right? And I just think that's so interesting because like, for example, you know, say that I have something on the tip of my tongue, maybe it's a bit of gossip, you know, or something that I just want to share that with a friend. You know, I just, I just want to say it, right. And I know that it's negative and it, you know, it's a rumor. And I really, I really don't want to do that. But I do in a way. Right. And so that internal dialogue, you know, that internal thing, it's it is there's a quality of burning to it. (laughs) It's like, I I really want to say it. I really want to say it, you know, and then you don't and you don't and you don't, you know, or in this case, you know, I really don't want to forgive. I don't you know, I'm getting caught, you know, in this story about whatever happened. And, um, I'm wanting to find that love or find that forgiveness. That's that same. I think it's that same quality, you know, of like, it's, it's a little bit of a burn, you know, as yeah. you're, as you're working through it, that's the work. That's the, absolutely.
2: Yeah. it's so powerful. I mean, healing is work period, yeah. but we're alive and we're breathing anyway. And, and, and if I'm not putting work into conscious awareness you know and love i'm probably giving my energy to something that's going to make me more miserable so that's how i view it it's like what choices are we making how are we choosing to spend our time and understanding that our minds so naturally go to the negative that we never i've never met one person in my entire life who has said i need to give more energy to negative thinking you know like (laughs) Like it just doesn't happen. <laughs> Nobody needs to do that. <laughs> <Right>. You know <laughs> yeah. that is not something we need to work on. That comes so naturally. It's yeah. so innate yeah. That, yeah,
1: exactly. that we
2: we understand that the work is in in the other stuff. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: stuff mm-hmm. that fuels us and feeds our soul in a different way.
1: Mm-hmm. So you've touched about this too, but but I do think it's a really important distinction: the distinction between forgiving and forgetting. You know, some people because those are sort of, you know, it's like forgive and forget. That's the saying Right. Forgive and forget. Yeah. Um, but uh, that can can really um, can really trip people up and make them not want to forgive because they don't want to forget. Right. So you say a little bit more about that. Um you know the 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 differentiation you know between forgiving and forgetting and you don't have to forget
2: yeah i mean i think i've i've come to view it a little differently one i don't think that we forget mm-hmm. first of all i don't think that people forget the the things that are hardest to forgive in our lives i don't know anyone who's forgetting those things you know what i mean yeah. we right. we we remember those things but that's what, in some way, is so beautiful about it. It's like understanding that even though I will never forget this thing that you did that I found so hurtful, I'll never forget it. And I'm still willing to move forward with forgiveness in my life. That's what's so powerful about it. It's knowing that we still remember. If we could forget things, it would be way easier to forgive things. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, out of. <laughs> out of mind, out of mind. If I've forgotten right. about it, what do I need to forgive? That's you know, right. it's the fact that we can't forget things that makes forgiveness so powerful. Right. I think. Right.
1: Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 No, that's, that's well said. So we've got just a couple of minutes left and, and I thought it would be nice to give you a chance, you know, in closing to share some words of encouragement or inspiration, um, to leave with our listeners about, you know, about, Living our living their lives with love and particularly maybe about forgiveness, you know, so if someone wants to start down that path, you know, where do they start?
2: Yeah, well, look, I think that we can start with love anywhere and everywhere. Start when the from the moment you wake up. You know, start when you when you go into that bathroom and you look at yourself in the mirror, what are you saying to yourself? Start paying attention to your inner dialogue. And any time it's operating in a way that is self-abusive, any time it's operating in a way towards people that is rooted in all of the conditioned prejudices and nonsense that we are raised with and live our lives with, any time you start to notice that your thoughts are out of alignment with kindness, with compassion, with love – you can feed yourself different thoughts. And that's really what my practice has been over and over and over is recognizing one, the thing I would say to everyone listening, that you are worthy and you are enough exactly as you are, that every child being born today is as worthy as every other child. And, and we were all those child, children being born. You were born as worthy, you will die as worthy, and you don't need to do anything to improve your worth. Mm-hmm. Like that is not how it works. You are as divine as anyone else. So know that because when we when we move through the world, understanding that we are loved and we are, value, we are of value as we are, it changes completely how we interact with ourselves and with the people in our lives. And it completely transforms the possibilities and the, the connections that we create in our lives. So that's the main thing I'd want people to know. And I'd also would say to everybody, like, we're all human. Be gentle with yourself. Like the human mind is an outrageous thing okay. and it is it is it's it's natural to feel everything that you're feeling. It's natural to like be focused and tuned in and then feel like you're totally lost and out of sorts. All of these things that you're you're experiencing are things that we're all experiencing in our own ways. And though our circumstances may be different with one another, the reality of the human experience with the human mind, it's it's universal,
1: okay. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know
2: how we are on time. I'm going to
1: pause for a yeah. second. Yeah, Uh and we're we're just about there, so okay. um, we'll you know we'll uh, stop there. I think um, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and we've been discussing how we can live a heart-centered life during the good as well as the challenging times <clears throat> with our special guest. Scott Stabile. Scott is the author of the book we've been talking about today, Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart, which I'm sure Scott is available through everywhere, Amazon, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you can visit Scott online at Scott Stabile. That's, again, S-T-A-B-I-L-E dot com, or on Facebook at Scott Frank Stabile. And he, for Twitter, he is at Scott Stabile. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. I've I've really enjoyed today's conversation.
2: I have too. Thank you so much for having me, Laurel. I'm really grateful.
1: All right. So tune in next week, November 1st, 2018, for a show called The Prosperity Imperative, Learn to Thrive and Serve. The Yoga Hours host and director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, will be joining me for a discussion about how we can live a prosperous, abundant life without losing our souls along the way. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. For more information about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. Teachings are offered globally through online programs, outreach, and publications. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you are enjoying the show, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Alan Grace O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Sean Smith, CSE's Global Media Outreach Manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now.